Warning. 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 The Freestyle Club contains adult language. It is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This is Freestyle Club with your hosts, the unknown admin, Rafael Reyes. And CPR, Jose Ortiz. Hello and welcome. Welcome to this week's edition of the Freestyle Club. My name is CPR Jose Ortiz, and I'm being joined by the unknown admin, Rafael Reyes. What's good, you bastards? This week, we're joined by two kings. We got the unknown admin, Rafael Reyes, and our special guest on the third chair, a good old friend of mine, the one and only Miguel Reyes Jr. Thank you for joining us on the Freestyle Club. What's up, Freestyle players? What have you been up to? We haven't heard from Miguel Reyes in a long time. What has been going on with Miguel Reyes over the years? Just uh, being a family man and, you know, just uh, taking care of business at home and, you know, just taking care of the family, brother. You know, always keeping myself busy to make sure, you know, maintain the roof over their head you know what i'm saying i do i do can you still do the spin kick yes i can just to elaborate what is your degree in the martial arts i am a second degree black belt in the japanese okinawan system imagine him and Nawal doing a duet on stage and doing those kicks yeah i got my money on miguel a lot of people are going to get hurt in the front row that's all i'm going to say <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if you're aware, Miguel, but Noel, he's also a martial artist, and he throws kicks in the middle of his performance. Um, well, no, nah, I wouldn't do that in the middle of a performance. <laughs> but, hey, everybody has their own, you know, has their own <laughs> kick, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Subscribe to the Freestyle Club podcast, theunknownadmin.com, and cprsmusic.com. Calm, 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 calm. In 1990, you were presented to the Freestyle World with your group, Full Effect. Who were the members of the group, Full Effect? It was uh, Bobby Rodriguez and Robert Pacheco, a.k.a. Robbie Rocks. Recently, you had a reunion. How was that? Oh, that was awesome. Together as Full Effect, I want to say it's been about 25 to 30 years on the same stage. You know, the producer, the arranger. Now, my boy, Robbie Rocks, he's still active. He does more like salsa, merengue stuff, but he DJs still. And whenever we can reunite it and, sh and share the stage, you know, we'll, we'll make an effort to, uh, to, you know, continue with the Full Effect sound. Twenty-eight years where we were introduced to the group Full Effect with uh, Remember the Days. How was it recording a song like that back in the day? Because now it's so easy to record a song from having stuff at home, having your own studio. What was the process for yeah. you guys? It was funny because a lot of people don't know. We've probably recorded, we probably have four or five official songs before Remember the Days. The guys that I, Bobby and Rob, they were like DJs. They were like very well-known well -known DJs in the local area in North Philly. So they started experimenting with doing the music. And um, and it was just, it was a slow process, but we were able to develop the sound by, you know, getting the, you know, the advanced equipment at the time and, you know, using the 808 bass kick and all that. And we, you know, during the time we were experimenting. So we actually have five or six other tracks that we did prior to Remember the Dates. What happened was... Um, we got so tired of working on the older stuff repetitively because we were constantly buying new updated equipment just to change the sound constantly. And uh, 
And we were big fans of Noel. So when we heard Noel stuff, you know, if you ever remember the days, it kind of has that same Noel flow style. So I remember Bobby, we, me and Bobby were just in the studio, just kind of browsing. He was just dropping beats and playing some stuff. And I'm like, hey, man, I like the way that sounds, man. I think I could write something to that. And that's how we created Remember the Days, through the influence of Noel. The good thing about this song was that it was um, a sleeper hit. It was an independent record label, Effecta Records. Yeah, that was our own label, right? In 1992, Full Effect released Don't Leave Me Now and Out of My Mind. Could you speak to us a little bit about those two songs? Because Don't Leave Me Now was a banger. It was a a hard-hitting song with a great breakbeat. And then you flipped it on Out of My Mind and it became a personal message. So talk about those two songs for me. Don't Leave Me Now actually created our identity as Full Effect. If you listen to Remember the Days and Don't Leave Me Now, it's totally night and day. Don't Leave Me Now was... You know, it was a very, very well-produced, very well-written song. And what inspired that in my mind, we were able to use the, the same musical elements from Don't Leave Me Now. And uh, my boy Robbie Rocks, he, um, there was a particular sound he wanted to use to add a song on the same single. So he's like, yo, Mike, man, can you come up with something with this, man? This has more of a darker, mysterious sound, you know what I'm saying? But I still want to keep the same musical elements of Don't Leave Me Now. Don't Leave Me Now, we co-wrote. Out of My Mind was my first first official song that I wrote. Out of my mind had to do with the passing of someone. Was that someone personal to you? Did you dedicate that song to someone? Was that just you invoking a feeling that you wanted to express in song for someone who may have lost someone? Right, exactly. Hit it right on the head. Yeah, I didn't lose anybody at that particular time when I wrote the song. Um, When I heard the little musical part that Rob had done, I was like, wow, this sounds, it kind of sounds dark, but at the same time, deep. So I kind of just put myself in that thought as if I would have, you know, if I would have had lost somebody at that time, but I did. I mean, the song meant more to me years later. It means more to me now, but at the time, you know, that's basically how I went about it. I, I find it interesting that um, in 1992, when I first got the 12-inch record for Don't Leave Me Now and Out of My Mind, I had remembered the days, but it took me to overplay Don't Leave Me Now and Out of My Mind to then go back and appreciate Remember the Days. It was kind of backwards, just like your story where Out of My Mind was the first song you wrote and it was the second song to be released. And I just find it interesting that a lot of people that I know, especially in my area, we went backwards. In 1992, we were truly playing Don't Leave Me Now and Out of My Mind. And then we took a a step back and said, oh, they have something else. And we've had this all along, but we're going to play this now. And we, we actually started playing all three songs back to back nice yeah totally different styles yeah that's when um we when we were doing don't leave me now that's when we really 
we had the best of what we had to create the best sound. All this was done in our in the basement. You know, we we used to go to you know we used to go to a lot of the shows. We used to talk to a lot of uh, road managers, and they would guide us to different stuff of what we needed to improve our sound. Because you know we used to submit our stuff. You know, we actually went to Mick Mac, um, Tommy Boy, but you know nobody wanted to work with us so we used to show our demos to a lot of the managers from the groups that used to come through and they're like hey man, we, we like your sound man you guys should just do it on your own you guys are you guys are there you know if they're not if they don't want to pick you up it's because they don't know you because you're not from around the way you know what i'm saying or they don't want to take a chance on an outsider but you guys have a pretty good sound i think you guys should just you know just keep rehearsing it and you know study it and, and do it on your own and that's basically what we did Freestyle is pretty much regionalized. So we have New England, New York, the West Coast, the East Coast. What what did Full Effect represent? Did you guys represent Philly? Yeah, we we represented North Philly. So basically, you know, we used uh, this, you know, the combination of the South Jersey and North Philly combination. You know, me being the singer from South Jersey and the two producers and arrangers, you know, being straight out of North Philly. So I remember, you know, that's why we added, you know, if you hear remember the days, even don't leave me now, we added the bells. So the bells represent Philly. When it goes boom, 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 that was our identity. That was our, okay, boom. That's our grand point right there. That people will hear that. That's Philly right there. Do you think that that type of sound is needed today in 2018? Have you been keeping up with some of the sounds that people are using today in this era? I've listened to some of the current stuff. I mean, okay, New York's always going to have their sound. California has their sound. Philly has their sound. Texas and certain areas that still play the music have their sound. I don't know if there's a particular sound that's going to, you know, take it to the next level, if that's what we're talking about that I'm hearing right now. I think if, um, not to try to go off course here, but um, I know there's a lot of producers, you know, early in their year, you know, we're pretty much telling a lot of the other producers, hey, it's about quality, step your game up. You know, I get it. Okay, I know what they're, I know what they're implying, but my response to that would be if, if, the, if the genre is going to continue, I mean, because think about it, in the reality, if we were to all, once we pass on, this genre is going to die with us. So when they start saying step your game up, do this, do that. In return, I'm going to respond and say, okay, well, if that's the if that's the case, well, then maybe you guys need to step it up even more and maybe create a new image, a new title, a new face, you know, cater to the new demographic generation that's coming up now. I know there's some young artists that are coming up now. So, I mean... From my perspective, I'm always going to love the Georges, the Cynthia's, the TKA's, uh, Johnny O's, Noel's. They paved the way for us, you know, and I'll love them for that. You know what I'm saying? But I think now, I think they need to share that baton and start working together and bringing a new image, new artist development, whether it be female, male, and just take it to a whole nother level. You know, it's like everybody's kind of still going backwards, you know, still using the same faces, the same artists, and it's not progressing. I mean, yeah, we can 
we can say, yeah, they're dropping beats or doing this or doing the edits to bring it back to 80s or doing this or doing that. But we're in a whole different uh, generation now. It needs well, to change. It's great that you come new artists, you got young kids coming up. But what is it with that Planet Rock beat that people just can't let go of it, man? I mean, uh, that, that, that drives me nuts, man, because, it, you know, I'm not I mean, I heard I'm not going to mention the artist's name. He sent me four versions. The first three all had the Planet Rock sample. The last one was an original production. And I basically responded, you have a nice sound, you have a nice voice, the arrangements is nice. I didn't care for the first three versions because I'm not a fan of the Planet Rock. I think, you know, but the last one was original. I can appreciate that one more. So if I'm going to if I'm going to promote anything, it would be that version. But then again, this comes back to that planet rock for me it's getting harder and harder to find a new song to say hey this guys listen to the song during our hot pick of the week when everything is a planet rock beat i not i i'd rather not promote anything at this point yeah yeah and it's like you know i mean yeah like you know you got you got some young people out there that are making some noise you know you don't want to start producing it you know and, and slapping a planet rock beat to the new current stuff you know i mean that's what i'm saying it needs to go beyond that it drives me nuts it, they have new releases with just planet rock beats and i'm like you are not inventing or reinventing the wheel you're just going back to the well and and that's lazy and I have taken a stance and said, you know, for the most part, 95% of these songs are not ever going to make it on my show. I feel you on that, brother. I mean, I can't argue with you on that. I mean, I'm not, I'm just not a fan. I was never a fan of it, even when Tasmania used it on some of my stuff. Yeah, I turned around and it was on there. I'm like, guys, come on, man. We've had these discussions before. Anything but the Planet Rock beat, come on. And that was back then when it was more, you know, it was used a lot more, but I just was never a fan of it, man. It's just not, it, and now it's just more jaded and played out more than ever. I look at it like this from a reality perspective. I mean, when you think about, when I think about freestyle, to me, it's, um, the meaning of it is it's it's love, uh, spirituality, what you feel inside. It's all positive energy pertaining to love. I think we all need to, we're writing about it. We're writing about love, spirituality, you know, in so many different angles. But yeah, there's so much hate for one another. You know what I'm saying? There's so many people bashing here, bashing there, bashing this and this and that. I think we just need to put our knives and forks underneath the table and somehow communicate it somehow and, and start working together. It's easier said than done, but I think it could be done. I mean, if we're singing about the positiveness of love and everything else, I think we all need to embrace one another and, you know, help take it to that next level. This is Freestyle Club with your hosts, the unknown admin, Rafael Reyes, and CPR, Jose Ortiz. The group disbanded at a time when I think you guys were just starting to get noticed. What happened there? After Don't Leave Me Now, you know, if you if you listen to, you know, the the details to that song, you know, that was that was basically we we spent so many years together and we finally created our identity sounds that identified us as a group. 
And, you know, the one guy, Bobby, you know, fell in love and got married and decided he didn't want to do it. And he was the engineer. So he had all the equipment. So he basically, he sold everything and, you know, and started his life. We couldn't bash him for that, you know. It was, I, I, I can relate. It was like the equivalent of him having the PlayStation 4 and all you had was a control. So when he took the console <laughs> with him, you're like, so who am I going to play with? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I can relate because my, when I got my son's mother's pregnant, it was time for me to put the DJ equipment away and get a real job. You know, I sold my turn tables got a box of diapers sold my speakers got a stroller sold my records you know got a crib that that's that's how it was for me so i could definitely relate Back in 1992, and uh, I was DJing in a school function. People were turning on freestyle at the time, and I remember that you know, "Don't Leave Me Now" has the best break beat I've ever heard at that time, and I just kept on spinning it and spinning it and spinning it and just going back and forth with it. And then you know, I try to mix a little hip hop with it, slow it down, and and really try to blend the two worlds. But people were rejecting freestyle at that time in 1992. And for me, it was heartbreaking because that's all I ever had at that time. Right. I only had like five hip hop records and the rest was just freestyle. And people just kept on coming up. Yo, we're going to play some hip hop. You got Cypress Hill? Do you have this? Do you have that? And I'm like, Public Enemy. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> no, man. Like, I got full effect, man. What are you talking about? You know, as a beginner back in 92, uh, being a DJ my, my senior year in high school, I can say that, um, I spun Don't Leave Me Now ad nauseum to the point where people wanted to kill me at yeah. these underground house parties because I just had to represent and uh, that beat just carried me. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I remember when that, when that song was released, I think I, I never heard my song being played through my town all spring and summer. That's all you heard was boom, 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 boom. Y'all want to hear that beat, right? Boom. I was like, oh, damn, they're busting my <laughs> stuff in the street. The only thing that we lacked and we started researching was editing. You know, that was mastered from the guys in New York back in the day. You know, you had the Latin Rascals who invented it and there was Chep Nunez and all those guys, you know, they, those were master editors. That was the only element that we lacked. And that's something that, that was our next step is learning the process of editing. And once we would have got to that, then we definitely would have had a strong foundation in Philadelphia because we, you know, we had a lot of people coming up to us and wanted us to produce their, their, their demos, but we weren't there yet. You know, we were trying to break out with our stuff first, but eventually that was the plan was to produce others and, you know, establish ourselves as producers as well. Who was uh, your favorite group of all time when it comes to freestyle? We used to go to a lot of shows. We used to see, you know, we used to always go out together as a group. We used to go out to see Johnny O. We used to see Suave. 
Suave was the one that actually, because we used to talk to Suave's manager, and I forgot his name. I, I want to say his name is Jose. And he, he was the one that used to listen to our demo. So we used to see a lot of performances from Suave, you know, with him and his dancers. And that's basically how we kind of started out. You know what I'm saying? I said, okay, we're going to do it. Let's let's do it like Suave. He comes out, he has his dancers and blah, blah, blah. You know, they got the image going on and stuff like that. So he was kind of like our template. I want to I say he wasn't our favorite artist, but... You know, when he threw a show back then, you know, he kicked it. You know, him and his dancers, everything was in sync. You know, I used to watch Lizette Melendez when she had the, you know, the female dancers with her back in the early days. So, you know, when we used to watch them, we we're like, okay, we need to choreograph something similar to what they're doing to captivate the audience. So basically just by watching certain three, you know, three group performances on stage was basically how we, you know, were able to kind of study it and, you know, just go about our business on stage. You know, try to create our own little thing. Now, how did you begin your solo career? I, I know that one of the members got married, so that pretty much breaks up the group. Once we broke off, my writing improved a lot because I was studying release after release. I was studying how they were writing the format, studying the lyrics on what they were writing about, and my writing started to improve. So I started, you know, I created a notebook. I said, I'm going to... I'm going to keep writing, you know, because at that point I had no direction. You know, we like I said before, we we did submit some stuff to some New York labels at the time, but we were all rejected. So I wasn't going to submit anything on my own. So I figured, let me just uh, continue to write and see what happens. And then um, I got a call from uh, Sammy C, my brother, Sammy C. In case you guys don't know, Sammy C was part of Effective Records and he was part of the Full Effect uh, family. You know, we brought him in later after we met and stuff like that. And he did some recordings with us as well. But um, Sammy, has he had called me out of the blue. He said, hey, man, uh, there's a local label out of Philly and uh, your name has come up a lot. You know, I brought your name up to them and um, they used to be with the DTU guys. And, and I said, oh, yeah, I remember those guys, blah, blah, you know, all the local guys that, you know, we all used to get together and do performances locally. So we all kind of knew each other. And then... Um, he said, they got a label together, man. Your name's come up, man. So you're interested. I'll drop your name in there. And if you don't mind, I'll give them your number so they can call you. So that's when um, I got a call from, I think it was Anthony Pons. One of those guys called me. Anthony Pons, yo. Yeah, yeah, Anthony Pons. Yeah, he called. And uh, he said, hey, man, I remember you from Full Effect, man. I remember your sound. If you want to stop by the studio, you know, is there anything that you have? And and um, I said, yeah, I got some stuff. I got some stuff. But, uh, but prior to that, you know, um, prior to that, there was a moment there where, um, like I said, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. You know, we all go through different transitions in life, you know, and I knew I knew I had the talent. I knew I had the voice, but I just didn't have the direction, you know. So, I mean, that's that's when those were the times came about. You know, it came through a point where, you know, I was going through something. I was kind of at a loss and, you know, I was just in deep thought, you know, just thinking about family, friends and close people that were close to me at the time, you know, and um and that's how I was able to create those were the times because most mostly people to this day ask me who I wrote the song about. It's about everybody and everybody that was in my life during that time.
I remember 1994. I remember listening to Those Were the Times, and that was uh, my first year ever on FM radio. And I remember this song arguably being the greatest Tasmania release of all time. But uh, at that time, we didn't know how brilliant and how much fire the song was going to take until we played it that first morning. Some of you may not be aware, but my show was CPR's Clubhouse on 103.5 FM in Holyoke, Massachusetts. I happened to be at a 10-watt radio station, but fortunate for us... (laughs) 10 watts, yes. Uh, fortunate for us, the antenna was on top of a mountain on the soldier's home. Because of that, it would actually carry the signal 30 minutes any direction. So if you were especially on the highway, you would have a clear signal. If you were part of the neighborhood, if you were in Holyoke, you would listen. And the first day that I played Those Were the Times, I played that song over and over again every hour on the hour from 7 in the morning to 3 in the afternoon. And the song caught so much fire that it became a phenomenon here and to this day 2018 we get requests for that specific song because it touched people so much it became a song that we didn't even want to play anymore because that's how much people requested it that's how every week you would have someone trying to call in to dedicate it to their girlfriend that they that they broke up with or their boyfriend it was just a phenomenon and for me when i went through heartbreak that was the song that i went to and that's the reason why i was being played every hour on the hour because when i went to that breakup <laughs> i had it on repeat it was so bad that uh, dj alex rivera called me at the radio station he goes like yo you okay and i'm like no man i just broke up with my girl <laughs> and uh <laughs> And he came and he took over the show because all I did was put those were the times on repeat. And after it would finish, it would start all over again. And I mean, it just played for the entire time until he got there. So that song means a lot to me, but I know it means a lot to New England, my area, uh, because it became the anthem. It's funny that you say that because before I even wrote it, all I remember was uh, being back home in Jersey, walking. I remember it was like a Saturday morning and I was just walking. You know, I said, I need to take a walk. I need to brainstorm here a little bit. And I remember saying a prayer. And I remember this prayer vividly. I remember saying, you know what? I remember saying, God, I said, I don't know what direction I have in this business, but I want to write something that everybody's going to remember me by. You know, put me on the stage alongside the ones that, that did it. You know what I'm saying? And and it was funny because after that prayer and after the, my thought and you know meditation, you know, the lyrics just started coming to me naturally. Just boom, boom, boom. And that's how the song was born. Yeah, it, it definitely did it because that song is not your typical freestyle song. It's more of a reflective and thought-provoking song, at least for me, and I'm sure for many out there. It's not that typical uh, heartthrob type of song, right? Where you, it's like crying over you or, or anything like that, where it's right. just a sob story. It's it's more you can reflect of how uh, someone took care of you, or someone nurtured you, or mentored you, or, or a loss of a loved one. It could, it could be almost anything, but it yeah, definitely makes you think back. When I finished writing it, you know, I had a, I had a lot of friends of mine who were musicians, but they played mostly just rock music, the 80s, modern rock, 90s, they were rockers. And I remember hanging out with them one night and I say, man, I got a song here. I'm going to sing it to you guys live. Now, I know you guys are not into this type of music, but I just want to, I just want your opinion. And when I sang, when I sang it to them, they were quiet for like 30 seconds. They were like, yo, Miguel, we're not into that style of music, but something about the way you sing that song touched me to tears. And I knew right then, I said, I got something. I said, I got something. I knew right then and there I had something special. 
And those were from rockers, bro. I uh, I remember the lyrics like like they were my own. After all that we've been through, I asked myself, was it worth every day of my life? Just that part right there. I'm done. I just I'm hooked. You know what I mean? I just <laughs> yeah yeah. And, it was very captivating yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. And then it, the the. <laughs> The melody, the music, your unique vocals. I knew it was you. I was like, that's that's Miguel Reyes from Full Effect. And uh, that's the guy from Full Effect. I, I knew it. And from that point on, man, it, it became a phenomenon. We were lucky that in 1995, we got to bring you here to Massachusetts various times. Connecticut yeah. and, and Massachusetts. And you were and probably still are a rock star here. If you ask anyone who's a Tasmania Records collector... If you ask anyone what is the greatest Tasmania record of all time, the answer will be Those Were the Times by Miguel Reyes. Because that was the most played, that was the most overplayed song in the Tasmania catalog, especially in New England. And then Chicago took off. The only thing I ever knew about Chicago was good times, man. I didn't know anything about Chicago, you know. And when they told me things were happening in Chicago, now I was really scared. Because now I'm going way, I'm going west. So that was that was an experience I'll never forget as long as I live, bro. And we owe that to Ten Spinning Shomer and um, his brilliance and his mixing and and the way that he pushed music on B ninety six and how he made people ask, "Yo, who's that? Who's that singing?" You know. Right. And I thank Anthony Ponzio and I thank the people that have productions. Who, if I go into my vault in my twelve inch vault, I have every single Tasmania release on 12-inch record oh, wow. because Hot Productions would send me uh, duplicates of each. Every week, I would, have this, I would have this thick, thick envelope full of Tasmania records. Going back to Tasmania, when they were on Hot Productions and you caught fire, did you like it more when they were distributed by Hot Productions or did you like it more when they were distributed by Metropolitan? Because I remember having a heartfelt conversation with you in regards to your album. I thought they, there was a, okay, I thought if we would have stayed with Hot, I think we would have been better off. But there was a conversation, there was, uh, they were trying to determine if they were going to go independent as Tasmania. That was in the process during the, during the talks before they considered Metropolitan. I think we should have stayed with Hot or they should have went independent. To me personally, I think it was a big mistake going to Metropolitan. Only because Metropolitan already had their established artists and we just came in behind the shadows. And, and it just seemed like everything just dropped once we hit, you know, to Metropolitan. And, you know, it was just, I was very disappointed. So when you got to Metropolitan, I saw that the change had happened. They were promising you an album. You were fighting for this album. You were the most popular single artist on their roster, and you wanted this album, and everybody was pushing. I would send my playlist to them, and I would be asked, what, what's doing good for you? What's doing good for you? And I would tell them, Miguel Reyes Jr., Miguel Reyes Jr., this is the guy. Um, he's been here so many times. And right behind you, I would say, Sammy C. I remember having a conversation with you, and you were telling me you know, that Sammy C belonged on commercial radio. That is a, a miscarriage of justice that he doesn't have his own album. So not only were you fighting to get your album done, but you wanted a Sammy C one as well. When Tasmania decided to split off, I was I was upset because of the fact that Tasmania established a sound of their own and they they were doing very well. And I thought if we would have stayed together longer as Tasmania, I think we could have created a lot more music and been better off. You know, because, you know, at the time, you know, it was kind of doing a decline, you know. Like New York, like I said before, New York had their style. You know, the West Coast had their style. You know, Miami had their style. And Philly was making some noise with their style. And it wasn't that it was better. It was just a little different. 
you know, New York had their own, their editing, a little darker, stronger beats, a little bit more detail. You know, where Tasmania had more musical, it was a little bit more musical in their sound, you know, not as hard. You know, it could be hard in some parts, depending on who the artist is, but it was a good, they had a good sound. And that's, that's what disappointed me the most when they let us all go. You know, they were really coming to their own. And I think the mistake, the decline and the whole mix-up was when, when they went to Metro. I saw the the releases for, for You Are Metropolitan on 12-inch record, and uh, you had Someday. They released that in 1995. And then it became like uh, they put a bunch of songs together on 12-inch. They didn't add anything to them. They just put the um, the version that they had on the compilation, and they put it on a 12-inch record. But there was like four of you on one 12-inch uh, record. And I know they put Because of You out in 1996, and, and You're My Everything also later that year how was your relationship with the folks at metropolitan did you talk to anyone in metropolitan okay there was okay there's this one i think there's one lady her name was laura harowitz who used to work for metropolitan she was our voice for metropolitan as far as what was going on i never got any details on what their plans was because um my second release was someday and to me to me to this day to me someday was i think the best song i ever wrote And I thought it was a nice follow-up to those were the times. And I thought after being added on regular rotation in B96 in Chicago, which is another story, you know, the song got added to major rotation. You would think once we went to a Metropolitan that they would have jumped on the second single and would have kept pushing for a stronger promotion to try to keep the name and the vibe alive. But they never did that, you know. When Someday was released, they didn't do any additional promotion to the song that I know of because they didn't really, it didn't get the same recognition as those were the times. Nowhere near. I thought it maybe it wasn't a better song, but it was a nice follow up song. And there's a lot more in detail because you think about it, um, a lot of people don't know. You know, the song was added to B96, going back to Tim Schomer. Tim Schomer broke the record in Chicago and it was added to party radio b96 on regular rotation which was kind of weird because i've heard stories from other people i mean i've spoken to carlos barrios and what he had to go through to to you know to break lizette's record and boom and this and that and here i am i come in i write this song i go in the studio boom within two hours the song is done they drop some samples drop some melodies bang a couple months later boom it's added to b96 through strong request alone that song got added there was no there was no individual product of that song other than the vinyl and the volume three. And that's what killed it from being added to other stations because there was no promo of the one song. There was no CD single. There was no cassette singles at the time to support radio play and promotion for the one song. And so by the time the cassette singles came out, which was very limited, the song got dropped. Uh, Hurt My Chances Going Mainstream or Billboard, which would have been next if I would have got additional additions to a uh, the radio stations. Because think about it, I made a lot of noise out in your area, in Springfield, Massachusetts. You guys broke me out there big time. 
And then I got broke big time out of Chicago. But I didn't make any noise in Philly or South Jersey or New York. And that's what it still bothers me to this day, because here I am traveling west, you know, getting all this recognition. Song got added. I'm performing. I'm booked, blah, blah, blah. You know, you guys pretty much wore me out out there by your area. And you would think from there it would have worked its way into the New York area. But like that goes back to Metropolitan. They didn't break the record in New York. They didn't break it at KTU. There was no DJ that took the initiative to actually break the record in Philly. But here's Tim Schomer, which I never met. You know, he's playing a record, running it like you were running it, you know, in all his mixes. And the lines, I think, just blew up to, I think, they had us an electrician out there and fixed the lines out there. That's how much they were calling for the song request out there in Chicago. Yeah, Those Were The Times was, was the number one song in 1994 for every radio station that played freestyle in this area. I just look back and, and think back at that time and how much, um, you know, our friendship grew and how many times we booked you here and how many times you were furniture at my radio show. I, I still have a picture of uh, you and the Tasmania crew at 103.5 and it felt so good for me building my name, promoting you guys and promoting new music and it just felt like uh, more togetherness at the time. Like uh, this fun ride that everyone was taking right. together because Sanaya was there, Sammy C was there, uh, right. dancers. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody just showed up and it was a party. How much teeth did you have to pull to get your CD released? Oh, wow. Um, well, going back to that, what happened was when those were the times got dropped from rotation on B96, because it was being tested at other stations, but they didn't want to chance it because there was no product to support it of the one song. So um, once it got dropped, you know, I think it was Jerry Salerno from Metropolitan decided not. He didn't want to put the album out. So, um... One of the writers from DMA had reached out to me and wanted to write, you know, wanted to do an article. And um, that came up. And I basically told him what happened. And he put it in the article. So I remember, I remember that article. That, I still have it here. Um, yeah. And that was the only reason why the album was released, because of that article. Because it, it, it was released, it was released, I want to say, April, May. Because I remember I went to, I performed at the Winter Music Conference, I want to say it was in July. So between spring and summer, that's when that article was released. And I remember the, I remember hearing from somebody from Metropolitan saying that Jerry Solano was mad at the writer and basically told him, you know, you know, I want to thank you because now I have to put out Miguel Reyes' album because of that article. So the intentions were for him not to put out the album. So because of that article, that's what made the album happen. Now, there was a reason why you titled the album May and Everything After. Would you like to share that with us? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I rem May was a, that was a tough month, man. Uh, I lost a very good friend of mine that I went, you know, my childhood friend. He was killed in, a, he was killed by a drunk driver. He was coming from a wedding. Him and two other friends of mine that were in the car also passed away. I had a friend of mine I used to work for at the time. I used to work for this construction company. And uh, his uh, his uncle died in the line of duty like two months after I lost my buddy. 
And then I lost my uh, my godmother, who was like my buddy. I used to always hang out at my godmother's house. I used to skip school, and I used to hang out at my godmother's house. She passed away also that same year and same month. So, uh, yeah, I lost a lot of close people in the month of May, and that was the reason for that title for that album. Were you ever paid? Did they ever give you a royalty check? I did get some surprising royalty checks for the rotation of the Times. You know, I, I am, I do have, that's one thing I made sure I, I, you know, I do have a percentage of the publishing when we did all the contracts and stuff. So, I mean, it wasn't a big payout that was, you know, it wasn't a big payout, but it was something. I would dare say it's a lot than what a, a lot of the uh, new school artists were getting because we hear the horror stories about them not even getting paid, but going bankrupt trying to maintain their career. So, uh, I mean, good for you. And uh, people should be uh, contacting you and figuring out how they should be doing their contracts going forward. I mean, I still fall in that same category because um, there was a point where when I saw the potential on how far this thing could go, that's when I lost sight of who I was. You know, as, as a singer-songwriter, my job is to work my craft, keep writing, keep studying, try to improve. At the time I had management, but it wasn't strong management. So a lot of the fundings came out of straight out of my pocket. So when when I realized that Metropolitan wasn't promoting me, you know, I didn't stop there. I was basically, you know, I went, I lost a lot of money. I almost went bankrupt. I actually bought, I was buying my own vinyl off the shelf. Wow. Every time I saw my product, I would buy it off the shelf because I was packaging it to the DJs, you know, to keep my name out there. I remember that. You know, so, so yeah, I've, I did lose a lot of money and I kind of lost myself there in the mix because, you know, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an artist, you know, I shouldn't have to deal trying to be an artist and try to run the business. I mean, all the phone calls, all the money, all the gas all came out of pocket. And yeah, that, that pretty much, you know, from that point on, that's when I went on hiatus for a while. I didn't, you know, I was kind of burned out from it because I lost a lot. But yeah, but I did see money from performances, you know what I'm saying? So I was fortunate with that, you know what I'm saying? So I can't say that it was all, you know, that I didn't make anything, you know. we I did make some money from performances. A couple of things stuck out in our conversation. Um, one of them being that you said you were shopping around to different labels, and one of those labels was Micmac Records, right? So uh, to me, Micmac also lost out on Mark Anthony. So that's strike two right there. I, 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 I mean, what's going on with this Mickey? What's going on, dude? I mean, you lose out Mark Anthony, big one, but also Miguel Reyes, dude. That's not, <laughs> that's not good. Fire your AR guy. <laughs> immediately yeah yeah well so, hey but we you know we we, we, we were able to yeah <laughs> we were able to you know go around the outside and and, and and make some noise they didn't take mark anthony they didn't take miguel reyes but they took mikey <laughs> menudo, right? <laughs> and they took a bad menudo oh, they oh yeah and also oh, wow. um it's funny we mentioned tim because we're going to talk about tim in a little bit and how he uh, is connected to your current song but it, it's kind of crazy you're a philly artist i'm a new york kid but i had to hear your song first from ten spin and shomer yeah it, you know it's weird till this day it's 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 weird you know because everything that was happening for me here in chicago i wanted it back home and until this day i never got a record release party you know <laughs> saying <laughs> i didn't get no record release party me and sammy still joke about that to this day man we're the only artists that made all this noise we never got a record release party ain't that some you know whatever but <laughs> savvy c, c doesn't understand how big he was when he first yo. came to this area he doesn't understand that we were playing in your eyes for years before oh, dude, that's before we played fate of destiny or before we played any of his 
Tasmania material. It was kind of ironic that you both performed together on the same night for us here in Massachusetts. You both got roaring ovations, and you guys couldn't believe it at the end of the night. Oh, I re- yeah. I remember these things vividly because I wasn't allowed in the club at that time, and I was really young. But because of Jesus the Juice Vasquez and him allowing me to be mentored by him, I was just running around happy. Like a kid who who was following his... You were having fun. Man, it was, it was awesome. And I got to see Sammy C perform. I got to see Miguel perform on the same night. And you, I woke up the next day and I felt so accomplished that I was part of making these things happen. They're always fond memories. But, you know, Sammy C doesn't understand how much he meant to this area and how when you both came together, you were both seen as these great superstars. And I'm telling you right now, if the scene would have stayed the same here in New England, you guys will still be those superstars. I I love performing along Sammy. You know, we've been friends for a long time. He's I love him like a brother, just like I love you guys as well. You know what I'm saying? Um, But Sammy's real good people, man. Real good people. We we always bug out. We we just did a show back in August in uh, Austin, Texas. So we we had a good time out there as well. I saw the flyer, and the flyer had every single person that was at 103.5 in that picture that I have of you guys in the studio. So everybody Ah. everybody that was on that flyer was in my studio at the same time and sharing the moment years back. Yeah, I got those. Yeah, I got some of those pictures. I gotta I gotta dig into them and 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 post them. we talked about how the group got back together to do a show are we going to see any more because i know people want to know they're going to be like how come you didn't ask that question you didn't ask that question the most important question you didn't ask are they coming back (laughs) are they doing more shows well yeah i would love i love to do shows as full effect you know what i'm saying because you know rob he he's a he's a good vocalist and we harmonize and we're always in sync and um and, and and it was you know not to change the subject but i was Going back to Austin, Texas, I didn't know what to expect when I was out there. But the audience came up to me and said, yo, you're going to perform the full effect stuff, right? And my jaws dropped. I'm like, wait a minute. You guys know, remember the days. You guys know, don't leave me now. I'm out of my mind. They were like, you know what, man? You're, you're about 30 years late coming here. Wow. We've been waiting for you for all these years to perform those songs. And you're, you're going to perform them tonight, right? And luckily, I had them in my mix. And my set because I, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what to expect. But I've been wanting, yeah, I think season it's different because you know, we have to get booked together. So the price is a little bit more. Me myself, I'm pretty reasonable when I do shows, but I think people are asking more for the full effect. So, you know, I told my boy Rob, I said, Hey man, if um if we get a call, would you come out? He goes, Yeah, I'll come out. You know, if they if the if the price is reasonable and it's good. You know, I bring my music to set. We go on stage together. I have to also commend you because one of my first purchases ever on iTunes was Full Effect. When the digital media craze first started, <laughs> Full Effect was one of the first freestyle songs ever available on iTunes. It was what Glenn Gutierrez uh, had said that inspired many to put their music into the iTunes spectrum of things. And the only ones that actually listened were you guys because nobody wanted to put their freestyle songs on iTunes, but you guys did. And so I had all the classified stuff on iTunes, but my first purchase on iTunes was the Full Effect single for oh. Don't Leave Me Now. 
and out of my mind. So I still have them here. And oh, the uh, little EP, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, you guys put that out there. So it was one of the first things I ever purchased. I think the first ever purchase when it came to freestyle on iTunes. So I gotta commend you guys for having that yeah. having that foresight. You know. You know, I still get you know I still get those CD baby checks, and most of the downloads are from the full effect stuff. So that tells me right there that there's still there's still an audience that looks for it. You know what I'm saying? If they remember something that was good, they're going to look for it. That's why it's like, you know, most people say, well, what do you think about these artists putting out all this freestyle? I'm like, you know what? It, to me, it's a beautiful thing because, yeah, I might not be promoting myself as much anymore, but when people go on iTunes or go look for music and they say they find the latest song from George Lamont, everything else is going to pop up, you know, that's available. So that listener could be like, oh, I didn't know Miguel came out with something new. Oh, damn, let me check it out. Let me peep it. Oh, I might as well just buy this too. You know, so there's always, you know, I try to look at the positive side of every angle. You know, most people think, oh, man, they're flooding the market. They're doing this or doing that. I said, no, there's some headliners out there that are still making some noise. And when people go look for them, everything else comes up as well. I guess my frustration as a DJ is the fact that, you know, you want to promote the best and you're used to and you're accustomed to the best. So you want to hear more like those were the times. You want to hear more phenomenons. You want to hear these songs that transcend time. Because right now, here we are, all these years later, those were the times which released in 1994. So 24 mm -hmm. years later, I can play that song and people be like, yo, I love that song. So that's what I want from the people that are releasing new music now. That 24 years from now, I play it and they're not going to be like, yo, there goes that stupid song with the Planet Rock beat. No, here's yeah. that, that hit from 2018 that, that was released and was our anthem. And that's what we look for every day. You know, for people to put out music like that. Yeah, and I and I know exactly what you mean because I'm the ultimate music junkie, man. If it doesn't move me, I'm not gonna buy it because I buy music every month. I mean, I listen to all types of music, and um, it has to have something. You know, I you know it can't. I mean, there's songs that are good, you know, good vocals, good music, but it might not move me. But it's still a good quality song, you know. It has to be, like you said, it's got to be something that's got to touch me from some type of angle. Like, oh, wow, I like that. I'm going to buy that. Like, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, When I first heard uh, Loss from Audie Medina. You know who I thought that was when I first heard the vocals? I thought that was Rihanna. I said, Rihanna got a freestyle track. I'm like, <laughs> oh, damn, that, I'm listening to that. And I flipped. I was like, man, and I was confused. I'm like, well, who remixed that? Who did that? And then I go look for the song on YouTube, and it's like, oh, it's somebody new. But I was captivated. I'm like, I got to buy that song. You know, it, it's something about it. Something about it drew my attention. Boom. And I supported it. I said, oh, I like that. I like that. That's different. Something about that track. I bought it right away, bro. When you talked about earlier in the podcast, somebody fresh, somebody new, that new sound. The first person that came to my mind is 19-year-old Audi Medina. Because she, yes, she's she is the future if she wants to be in this music. If we don't scare her away. If we nurture her the way that we should because she's amazing right. if you hear her new song no more it's it's a song within a song within a song and it's r&b in a freestyle song 
but it's also pop in a freestyle song. And it's also modern in a freestyle song. And I want more Audi Medinas. I, I yeah, need more Audi Medinas. It, it, Exactly. That's and that. Yeah, you hit it right on the head. Yeah, she was one of the ones. Yeah, lucky I brought her up because she was one of the ones I wanted to bring up as far as the up and coming generation. You know, she is definitely one that sets the example. But you know, she has a she has a style. She has identity and her voice and stuff like that. And like you know, I mean, if I were to give a lot of these young kids advice that want to continue with the genre or want to pursue it, I think they need to take it to another level. Don't just be a writer and a good singer be musically inclined learn an instrument learn everything about music you know because it's like um if i listen to just freestyle all the time freestyle 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 everything that i would ever write will sound exactly freestyle same pattern same everything see i'm i listen to so many different types of music you know i'm a i love singer songwriters you know i can't i'm inspired by different styles and and that's what you know i study all the time i try to study to make my not to improve my sound but to try to make it it's it's all it's all about simplicity you know if you can make it simple catchy and interesting then boom you hit it and that's not it's not it's pretty difficult to do you know a lot of people try and they do too much but i think if you just keep it simple interesting and you're going to hit it all the time but it's something you have to it has to come you know from within Speaking of being inspired, tell me about when you were born. Is a song that uh, you wrote for your child. How did how did you come about the concept? Well, that was during the time when I was on hiatus. I was, uh, you know, I was uh, newly married to my wife, and we had our first child. And uh, she was a preemie; um, she almost didn't make it. So during that process, um, you know, it was a different, you know, timeline in my life. You know, I was still writing. You know, I wasn't doing. I wasn't in the spotlight. I wasn't doing anything, but I was still writing. So that was a different chapter in my life. You know, once she pulled through and, you know, when kid, you know, when you have kids in your life, to me, that's a, that's a spiritual thing, watching them grow, seeing them do things. And, you know, kind of reminds me when I was growing up, you know, so that's, I started seeing things more spiritually. So I was inspired by that. You know, that was what I was going through at the time. And, you know, I just wanted to write something about my kids and they're actually in the song in the beginning giggling yes so that was my that was my first official solo project release and i also i was able to reach out to carlos barrios he did a he did a little mix for me on there he did a a radio mix for me on the on the same single and um and you know what the song did very well i mean i didn't really promote it you know but i put it up for sale i did very little marketing on it and um Dude, I'm still cashing out on that song. I, I made my money back on it. It's my first official project. Put out the money, studio time, and also hooked up with Rob. We did a little full effect version on the song, and uh, song did pretty well. But that was my inspiration for it. You know, I was, you know, had my two children, and boom, and that's what inspired me to write it. Let's go back to 1996. 
Tim Spinning Shomer, Freestyle Boom. Okay. The greatest mixtape of all time. What do you think, Ralph? Tim Spinning Shomer, freestyle. greatest freestyle DJ that ever lived, period. I'm right. sorry. That's, it's has, it has to be said, right? It, it does. But, yep. I, but, but my, my thing was Freestyle Boom, the compilation, the, the mixtape, the mix CD, the greatest mix CD of all time. I can, I can tell you what song is coming up next. I can play that mix, and I can tell you every song that comes after. I can sing the entire mix. Not only that, but he tells a story every time he puts a mix together. That's amazing in itself. But there's a song in that mix from 1996, and that is like the first time. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, definitely. And it was the first time I ever heard it, and it was the last time I ever heard it. And I, <laughs> and I always wanted that song. It took 21 years. What happened? Tell us the story of this song like the first time. Like the first time was the very last song that I wrote before Tasmania Let Us Go. And when I wrote it, I wrote it for a female artist. I was gonna I was gonna test it with Stephanie Bennett or Deneen or or Samantha, one of those three. I was gonna have them sing it to see which one gave me the best sounds. But since we all broke up, we all went our separate ways and never got to be. So I was still doing a lot of shows in Chicago. So, you know, I got to, you know, I got real close with Tim, you know, and um Tim had called me one day, he said, Hey man, um, me and JJ Flores, we're putting together a label. You know, I'm putting out a mix CD. It's going to be featured on, you know, our own little label, Throb Records, blah, blah, blah. He goes, uh, JJ wants to know if you're willing to drop a track. I said, you, do you have anything current? I said, well, yeah, I just wrote this song for a female artist. But, um, you know, I can I can take it on and put it out myself. You know, let's, let's do it. So came to Chicago, met up with JJ Flores. He dropped the keyboards, dropped the beats, and... We featured the song. We only did uh, three. Only we, we recorded like three quarters of the song because Tim only wanted to feature like a two minute mix of the song. You know, just enough to you know mix into his set to CD. Now JJ had other intentions. JJ wanted to shop it around to see if it was worth putting out a full version with various mixes. And um, I think that year he went to the Winter Music Conference. But that was kind of during the decline of freestyle because after that, you know, Tasmania broke up and there wasn't really much of anything really being done at the time. I guess he didn't get the responses that he wanted, so it just became a dead-end project. So it was only just that two-minute mix. And, you know, I was at, I think like a couple years later, I was able to get a little piece of the acapella and the music, you know, just collecting dust, collecting dust in my uh, digital files. So it just never came to be, but for many, many years, like yourself and many other DJs and fans have asked me, yo, man, where's the other half of that song? That was a <laughs> kick-ass track, man. What is up? You know, and I just never got around to it. And I, I tried at one point by using the same musical elements, but it was it just didn't work out. So it just, it just remained a two-minute mix. That was it. And now how did it become a full release now, 21 years later, in 2018? I had someone produce it, but I didn't. I wasn't satisfied with how it was done, so I was gonna just not even mess with it anymore. And then um, I was doing a recording session with uh, Carlos Mojica. I was dropping some lyrics, and he. I had the song on a CD because I was gonna use some musical arrangements. I was gonna sample some of the beats from the old stuff, and I was gonna try something new. 
And Carlos Mojico is a fan of the song. He goes, dude, I'm a fan of the song. He goes, are you ever going to release this, man? I'm like, well, I was going to, I had a producer, but wasn't too satisfied with it. He's like, um, then he asked me, he goes, but do, he goes, but do you know, do you know Sal, Sal Medina? I say, yeah, I know Sal. I've met up with him a couple times. He's like, look, man, he's looking to get his name out there, you know? And I think give him the project, you know, he does pretty good work. So he called me and we started talking. I say, man, I've been sitting on a song for many, many years. So, you know, you want to take a crack at it? You know, if you think you can make it, give it some justice. You know, what are your intentions? He's like, well, I don't really want to do what everybody else is doing, you know, with all the crazy stuff. And I said, well, then be creative, be yourself. I said, I'll give you the stems and do your thing. So he sent me the demo. I was like, whoa. I was kind of stunned because, you know, I'm so used to listening to the original. So I had to just step back a little bit and like, okay, still the same song. It's still in the same pitch. You know, it's just a extended version. It's not that hard hitting freestyle everybody's looking for it's kind of a happy springtime spring love happy song so i was like i call him i say hey man i like what you did man i really did i said i was pretty impressed i said listen man i'll tell you what well you know you want to take charge of the song you know i said go ahead dude just do your thing man do your thing you want to market it go ahead that's where we're at Mad Mad Medina. Uh, I've been hearing of him for a long time. He has sent me a lot of uh, projects, and mm-hmm. um, and I've always ignored them. And there was a reason for that. I didn't think that um, the stuff that he had sent me was good enough for me to play. And then he sent me feels like the first time, and he totally changed my mind. I um I was so I was so taken back by the simplistic but yet complex mix that he did for the song that I completely fell in love with it all over again. I completely forgot the original version and just focused on listening to the radio and, and extended versions of like the first time, the, the one that he produced. And so I want to I want to compliment him for doing the song justice. I think that uh, many of the people that have listened to the song have, have really liked it. I can ask the unknown admin what he feels right now on the song. I'm sure that he's heard it because it was his pick hit last week. That's why I picked it because one, it didn't have a Planet Rock beat. I, I love the elements in the track. I, I was feeling it. I said, dude, I, I got to make this pick of the week because compared to everything else there, it's it's just head and shoulders above everything else that's coming out new right now. In a room full of Planet Rock beats, it is really nice to be Sal Mad Mad Medina. So <laughs> I, thank you is what I want to nope. say. 
Because honestly, he could have just did the, the easy thing and just made a Planet Rock beat that people are like, oh, that's fire. Because that's all you see, you hear, right? It doesn't matter what the lyrics are. doesn't matter what the voice sounds like. As soon as people hear that, boom, boom, they're like, oh, it's fire. It's fire. It's fire. I'm like, what, dude? You haven't even heard the words yet. You haven't heard the vocals. Yeah. And you're already screaming that it's fire? Come on. No, no, no. Eso, bro. You got to get eso. You got to fire. You got to get fired from producing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but so, uh, yeah, man. Yeah, so, Sal, you yeah, do so, your thing, hey, man. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, big shout out to Sal, man. So yeah, we um yeah, definitely I said, "Hey, mate, I mean, so far I'm hearing nothing but positive vibes. In the beginning, I was kind of skeptical because, you know, like I said, I still had the the original in my mind for so long, you know. So when he did, I was like, wow. And, you know, I had to hear it several times in order for it to sink in. And I'm like, okay. We were kind of worried there because we didn't know how it was going to do compared to what's out there right now. You know what I'm saying? I said, well, you know, hey, man, just, just give it a shot. You know, I mean, just give it a shot. I mean, it's your thing. You know, he was excited. And, you know, and I said, man, just go out there and enjoy it. Do your thing, bro. I said, well, we'll make it happen little by little. It's not going to happen overnight, you know, but, you know, this will probably get you some work in the future for sure. As a producer, people are going to, you know, pay you some attention and, uh, you know, we'll probably maybe work on something else later on. I think for that, now, man, it's just I think that you may have pushed him in the right direction with the song and um, we're going to continue playing it. And uh, hopefully it will catch on just like those were the times or, you know, just catch on, period to the point where people are going to be continuing to support it and purchase it and, and spend the 99 cents or the $2 or whatever it costs to get the song to their digital libraries. And I hope, too, that uh, you get into the vinyl craze and uh, produce some vinyl because uh, I guess that's the it thing to do now, Miguel. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing a lot more vinyl. It's something I have to look into in the future. Um, you know, I got to keep my, you know, I can only budget around for so many tracks, man. It's stuff is expensive, bro. <laughs> It is what it is. But yeah, I mean, it's the love of music, man. You know, when I get an itch for it and I get itchy palms, you know, I'll drop something. So what's next for Miguel Reyes? Are we going to hear a follow-up? What I've wanted to do for the longest time, and I'm trying to debate, maybe you guys can help me out, make me help make a decision. Should I do Should I do an EP or do another album? I well, say do an album, but just do uh, single releases before releasing the album, one or two songs. So release one or two songs before a full-length album. Okay, I kind of thought about that as well. So, I mean, I got some stuff in the works. What do you it's think, Jose? Take- I think that the more Miguel Reyes Jr. that we get in 2018, the better. The more Amen. the more different sounds that we get. If you guys are pioneers in the Philadelphia sound, you could, you could help reinvigorate it. I know that Brad Warsaw is a good producer that uh, will make a fine addition to uh, assisting you. I know that um, Sal Medina, working with you as well, will produce some new sounds and that's what i'm hoping someone that's seasoned like you that can write that can sing and knows what they want to connect with producers that can produce and then put out good quality stuff and have a nice plan for the future so i i say go for broke i say put out an ep put out an album put them out both um because you're miguel reyes jr who's not going to want to support you i would have uh, one stipulation though miguel yeah. Don't wait too long because Sammy Zone took 10 years to do his running redux, right? You broke that record with the 21 years on this song. <laughs> you got the record, man. You don't have to hold out anymore. 
go. Just just go. Produce. Bring it out. Spit it out. Drop them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, Brad, is, is Brad an independent producer or is he affiliated with a label of his own or well, is he, he contracted? He does, uh, Rock Solid Entertainment, he does uh, his own uh, stuff and he's the one that produces Audi Medina. I could I could see a collaboration between you and Audi Medina. You could write for her. She could write for you. Her father's a writer. I mean, I have so many ideas in my head right now. I'm spinning, you know, because I like I like good, talented people to get together and produce good, talented uh, music as you guys should. Uh, so, Rock Solid Entertainment, he's been he's been up and coming for a while, and he's arrived with Audi. Oh no, I've heard. Three, yeah, I've heard his stuff. You know, three in a row. I just like boom, boom, boom. Lost, no more, and red stripes. Okay, so the title of the song is called Red Stripes. That's one of the songs from Audi Medina. And I'm like, and please excuse my French. Why the fuck would you name a song Red Stripes? And then I listen to it and I'm like, what fucking brilliance, you know? And 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 I have to swear because I want to emphasize the brilliance of naming something that is not a typical freestyle title. You know what I mean? It's called Red Stripes. Right. And then you listen to it and you're like, holy shit, you know, this is awesome. So I could recommend... As many as many people as you need me to, as long as you get um, the product done. I got Jay Allums too. Uh, Jay Allums is a great producer. So you know, take a pick, give me a call. You know, I'll point you in the right direction. You know, people owe me favors too. So <laughs> I got you. I got you. You know what I mean? Uh, no, I, pre I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, yeah, I'm trying to like I'm brainstorming right now. I mean, I got songs deep in my back pocket, man. That hopefully, you know, before I'm in my moment of truth, I'm able to at least release at least half of them or some of you know a majority of them. This is the Freestyle Club Pick Hit of the Week. Since we're talking about, you know, up-and-coming uh, artists, it made me think about one that I heard nine, ten years ago, and that's uh, Sammy C's daughter, Sophia Elise, with uh, Heaven Help Me. Miguel, do you have a song that you would like to recommend to our audience for a pick hit of the week? One of my all-time favorite songs, Voices in Your Head by Paris by Air. Well, my pick of the week, I'm going to go with a song that was released in 2018. It's been my favorite remake. Uh, it's uh, Rolando Montalvo's The Promise. I'm not sure if you've had a, if you gotten a chance to listen to the song, but he goes word for word and sounds just like the uh, artist that originally did the song. So my pick really? of the week is going to be Rolando Montalvo and The Promise. Well, so but I'm just thinking of the ride I 
before we go on to a final segment, there's one little tidbit that I dug up on Miguel Reyes, and I and I have to ask, man, in '95 you was nominated as the hottest male vocalist on DMA magazine. Who did you lose to? Because there is no one more sexier than Reyes. This was fixed, bro. Oh, snap! Am I right, dude? I mean, there's no one there's no one hotter than us, bro. have a place where people can uh, request you is there a miguel reyes page they can go to my fan page mrj freedom quest and that should take them right to my uh my fan page until next time peace love and freestyle